Today's readings are from Luke chapter 1, verses 8 through 17, and John chapter 3, verses 16, 17. Once when he was serving as priest before God and his section was on duty, he was chosen by lot according to the custom of the priesthood to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and offer incense. Now at the time of the incense offering, the whole assembly of the people was praying outside. Then there appeared to him an angel of the Lord, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was terrified, and fear overwhelmed him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will name him John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He must never drink wine or strong drink. Even before his birth, he will be filled with the Holy Spirit. He will turn many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. With the spirit and power of Elijah, he will go before him to turn the hearts of parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. John 3:16-17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning to all of you here, and good morning to those of you joining us online. We are thankful that you are with us today, all of you. It was Christmas morning many years ago, and for weeks and months, my sister and I had asked for an electronic game for Christmas. And when we went out on Christmas morning, there it was under the tree. We were so excited. We opened it up and pulled it out, and it did not work. It required batteries, batteries which were not under the tree that Christmas morning. Now my dad went out of his way to scrounge through the house and find batteries that would work. He tested them, made sure of it, and put them in that electronic game, and it did not work. We got the instructions out. We read all of them. We read all the troubleshooting directions as well, tried every one. It still did not work. My dad's an engineer, and he was determined that he could fix it, no matter what, and spent much of the day working on that electronic game. And it's funny to me that all these years later, I have no idea what that electronic game was. What I remember is my dad going out of his way to want to make it work. What I remember is his love. The gift was broken. His love was not. We are in the second week of a sermon series this morning that is called Unbreakable Gifts. 
It's based in part on a book by James Moore and Jacob Armstrong entitled Christmas Gifts That Won't Break. Many of our small groups are studying it now. And the premise of the book is that many of the gifts that we give each other at Christmas are great. And they might not work. And they can get lost or broken. But what's underneath all of that? And what are the gifts that we can give to each other, those gifts that we can receive this year at Christmas that are unbreakable and never get lost or stolen from us? And those are the gifts that God gives to us in Jesus Christ. Pastor Jeff got us rolling last week with a gift of hope. Today we talk about the gift of love from God that never needs batteries to get it going. Would you pray with me? Holy and gracious God, you are the author of love. You're the one who shows us, tells us, moves in us so that we know what it is when it's good and healthy and comes from you. Lord, this day we come in with lots of different stories. We come in with lots of different concerns. And now in the silence, Lord, we want to lift those concerns to you. Thank you that you hear our prayers and move within them. And now, Lord, may the words of our mouths the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock, our redeemer, our refuge, our savior. And all of God's people said, Amen. Our word for today, love. And I wonder what your experience of that has been in this life. Many of us were raised by people who loved us well in our childhood, and many of us were not. Many of us had parents and grandparents who loved us well, and many of us did not. Many of us have healthy marriages, friendships, relationships, and many of us do not. What has been your experience of love in this life? Or what people called love? There's a story in the book that we are reading. And it's about a woman who says the best Christmas of her life was not when she received some long-desired gift. It was the one year she could remember when her parents were not yelling at each other on Christmas Day. I wonder what your experience of love has been like in this life. Was it good, painful, or some mixture of both? Many of us have a hard time wrapping our heads around God's love because some experience of love we've had in this life obscures it. People in the Bible had a hard time wrapping their heads around God's gift of love, too. 
In fact, biblical families are not great examples of it. Especially in the Old Testament, if you start reading about stories of those families, almost every family in the Old Testament is highly dysfunctional. Yet the word love in some form appears in the Bible over 300 and some estimates over 500 times. The actual number dependent upon the translators of the original languages and which English version you pick up and choose to read. I think God knew we would have trouble understanding God's love. And that's why the Bible talks about it so much. Scripture has told us from the beginning that love is the character of God. Gracious, merciful, abounding in steadfast love, slow to anger. From the Old Testament forward, though, we've had trouble understanding it through the judges and the prophets and the kings and over 600 laws. We get then to the New Testament and people like Nicodemus and we have a hard time getting it. Ruth read for us a story today about Nicodemus from John chapter 3 and read a little piece of his struggle for us today. God sends us Jesus for salvation, yes. But why? Here's the underlying root of why Jesus comes. Because we are having a hard time understanding God's love. God sends Jesus to us to reveal what God is like. It's like God says, let me put my love in skin for you then and make it real and move around and walk and talk and sneeze and breathe and laugh and teach and guide. Fully human, fully divine. This is who Jesus is revealing for us the character and nature of God. Dr. Paul Hammer writes that Jesus is then constant love for salvation, yes, and for healing and wholeness, reconciliation, and the quality of life different from what the world has to offer. Love is why Jesus is born. Did you know that? Love is why Jesus is born. Jesus is a gift. The Gospel of John tells us that in those famous words that Ruth read for us today from chapter 3, verse 16, that God loved the world so much that God gave Jesus the Son to us as a gift. That famous verse comes from a long conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a religious leader of some public standing in his day, and he comes to talk to Jesus at night, perhaps because he didn't want to be seen talking to Jesus in the daytime. Nicodemus, like many of us, is not sure what to make of Jesus or his love. He thinks Jesus is a teacher from God, and that's great, but beyond that, he's not quite sure what to do with him. They have a conversation, much of which Nicodemus does not understand. 
for he is not willing to let go of his preconceived idea of who he thinks Jesus is in order to let Jesus be who he is, as he is, a gift of love from God, a gift to be received, not forced, but given. Dr. Hammer writes that much of the Gospel of John is written to invite people to believe in Jesus this way. At a time when people would have been expelled from the synagogue for believing it. Nicodemus does in time come to accept the gift of Jesus. But it's not easy for him. It takes him a while throughout the gospel and you can kind of trace this understanding as it grows. Nicodemus is one of those characters who makes room for all of us who get Jesus in part but aren't quite sure what to do with them. Or those of us who know that Jesus loves us, but we aren't sure what to do with that either, or why it matters, or if it's relevant, or if we're worthy of it. And if you are in that group this morning, you're in good company, because we all have trouble understanding Jesus sometimes. And much of that has to do with our trouble with understanding love. Walter Brueggemann has written that church doesn't need to be the happiest place in town, but it ought to be the most honest. And so let's be honest. Much of our experience in this life of love works against our understanding of it when God offers it. Because love often in this world comes with strings attached. It comes with people who want us to do things in order for it to be able to be carried out. And sometimes that which people call love is far, far from it. And so love in our lives can get wrapped up with strange bedfellows like trauma and pain and depression and wounds and loss, estrangement. And pieces of us can get broken and they don't always come back together. So love, God, what do we do with that when you offer it? Because of our experiences in this life, we may be afraid to trust it or lean on it, or to trust you. A gift of love that is unbreakable from the creator of the universe. What do you do with that? I have known since before kindergarten that God loves me, and I've sung that song a million times. I am still blown away by it. And I will be when I'm old and gray. How is it that God loves us like that, with no strings attached, with love that is unending, and you don't have to earn it or measure up for it? It is simply given fully and doesn't stop. Who loves like that? 
It takes some tilling of the ground and our souls in order for a seed of love like that to come in and take root. And that's what Advent's about. It's a season for tilling, for preparation, so that when the gift of the Christ child comes and is born, that our hearts and our souls are ready to receive and accept the gift of Christ once more. The story that Ruth read for us from Luke chapter 1 tells us about some more of that tilling. It is the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth as God begins to move in the fullness of time to bring about the birth of Christ. And so Zechariah and Elizabeth are this tiny priestly family. And when Zechariah gets that once-in-a-lifetime chance as a priest to enter into the holiest of holies in the temple, an angel shows up and says, Don't be scared that I'm here. I have good news for you that you and your wife are about to have a son and you will name him John and he will help prepare the people for the coming of Jesus. It's a great story. I hope you take time later this week to read it. This is the short version. And then Zechariah and Elizabeth do have a child. In fact, Elizabeth and her much younger relative Mary are both pregnant at the same time in extraordinary circumstances. And John, whom we will come to know later as John the Baptist, is born. And it's his job to do the tilling, to get people ready for the coming of Christ so that they not only know that they need him, but they're ready for him when he's born and when his ministry is about to begin. What does receiving love like this that comes from God look like? I came many years ago to a conference here. I sat about there uh, long before I ever thought I'd be a pastor here. And it was a regional conference. And there was a person who spoke that day who I'll call him Josh. Um, and he wasn't part of Ebenezer, but he was part of that conference. And he wanted to share his story. He had been one of those persons for whom he had no frame of reference for love the way God offers it when he was growing up. His family had been a mess. He had been sent to a foster family that was also a mess. He had had this shoddy educational and work history. He had trouble staying focused. He had turned to drugs. At one point he said he was homeless and destitute, and he remembers one morning standing early on a rooftop at a construction site by himself where he was working. And he said he felt God asking him, what do you see? And he looked out at all of the construction supplies and responded to God, a mess. But Josh knew that those parts and pieces would begin to come together and form a building. And so Josh said back to God, in six months you won't recognize this place. And God's response to Josh was, give me six months with you. You won't recognize you either. And the ground had been tilled enough at that point in his life that he went to a spiritually-based rehab center. And through starts and stops, he got to be part of a church, a healthy church. You know there are churches out there that talk about love but really are lousy at living it out. He came to a healthy church. And he began to receive the gift of love in Jesus Christ that God offers to us. And it took root no matter how many times he tried to push it back. God never stopped loving him and never gave up on him. That's the way it happens sometimes. 
The theologian Paul Tillich writes that God's love can come upon us like this voice that says, You are accepted as you are. And don't do much at the time. Perhaps later you'll do much, but right now, in the moment, simply accept the fact that you are accepted, loved, as you are. Howard Thurman calls that a steadying thread with God's hand on the other end. As I was thinking about this sermon and trying to figure out what story I could share with you that I felt like just captures what God's love is like. I thought of story upon story from my own life when those times when I really felt God's presence and love with me in the dark, in the very dark, in the sunshine and everything in between. But there's this one story that wouldn't let me go. I wanted to share that one with you today. I was scheduled to go to my grandmother's house to visit for a few days. I was in my 30s at the time and not married. Another dating relationship had ended. Work is always demanding. And I don't remember what the issues were at the time, but what I remember is that I was a mess. I was overwhelmed, tired, exhausted. Things felt broken. I couldn't fix them. And I almost canceled the trip to my grandmother's. But we were very close, and I didn't want to disappoint her, so I went anyway. And when I got down there, it was about 5.30, and I walked in the door, and my grandmother gave me a hug, and she was cooking her homemade potato soup on the stove. She had homemade biscuits in the oven, her chicken salad on the table. And she asked me how traffic was. Then she asked me how cold it was out there on this wintry day, small talk. And then Grandmama said, how are you doing? And I gave that universal answer we give when we don't want to honestly answer that question. I said, I'm fine. A friend of mine says, you know what that stands for, fine. Feelings I'm not expressing. And my grandmother took one look at me. And the next words out of her mouth were, go put on your pajamas. I said, Grandmama, it's 5.30. I don't want to put on my pajamas this early. She was undeterred. She said, go outside, get your things, start to settle in, and put on your pajamas. I said, yes, ma'am. So I went outside to the car, and I got my suitcase, and I brought it in, and I went down the hall to the second guest room on the left. And I opened up my suitcase and began to unpack and settle in and visit the restroom. And I pulled out my old red plaid flannel pajamas and put them on. And I went back into the kitchen and I started stirring that potato soup. I was ready now. I had my fake happy face on. My defenses were up. And what I did not know was that in the time I had been getting settled, my grandmother had gotten a comforter out of the closet. And she had put it into the dryer on the highest heat setting that was there. And when I was stirring that soup, she pulled that heated comforter out of the dryer and wrapped it right around me on that cold day. And I tried to push her away, but she wouldn't let me. And she wrapped her arms around me and wouldn't let me go. 
she knew I was hurting. And she said, I love you. Over and over and over again. Until I finally let my defenses down and let her. There is nothing like someone telling you they love you when it is unbreakable and you know they're good for it. And God, like my grandmother, is always good for it. Love is a gift from God. When Jesus comes, this is God's gift of love to us. Love is why Jesus is born. God knows the weight that we carry, the pain the stress in what way we feel like a mess. And God knows those broken ways other people have said they loved you. Or in what broken ways you may have experienced love or what people called love in this world. And I'm so sorry if that has happened to you. God knows in what ways we may push back on the love that God offers and God loves us anyway. Loves us just the same. For God is never done loving you. Now put on your pajamas and let God wrap those arms around you this day and love you. Because God is already doing it anyway. God's love for you is a gift. An unbreakable one. And God is good for it. Amen. And amen.